Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind tabletop games. I'm Mike. I'm Spencer. And on today's episode of Beyond the Board, we'll be discussing the themes behind the game Root, a game of woodland might and right. You just got this. I did just mail. get this. Just yeah. a week or so ago? Yeah, this is the new hotness. Everyone's talking about Root. This is number one on Board Game Geek. Yes. Yeah. And Gen Con recently happened, and so... A lot of people got their first chance to look at it or or touch the game for mm-hmm. the first time. And just one story after another from what I was reading about how amazing this game is. Yeah, so if let's paint a picture, and, and I don't think I can really do it justice in words because you have to look at the art. The art's very fun, and it's almost cutesy, but it's almost deceiving because the game's a little bit more complicated than how it looks. You're basically a bunch of forest creatures, and you're vying for territory positions in the forest. Uh, And everywhere from being the cats to the birds to the woodland creatures to just a raccoon that runs around. But the cool mechanic of this game is that everybody has different end goals, and there's different win conditions for each faction that you play as. Yeah, each animal type plays very differently. And so this is a, this is a territory control game. It's a, it's a war game. It doesn't look like a war game when you first think about it or for, when you first look at it, but it absolutely is. And these clans, like you were saying, they're very different in how they attack, try and take, and then defend territories around the map. And so this concept of attacking territories or taking territories or defending these territories because of the resources they provide or the advantageous positioning that it gives made us want to ask the question, well, what does a territory even mean for an animal? Like, we have land. We have plots of land. We know our our borders in terms of countries, but also, like, my lawn ends right here, so I'm going to stop mowing the gl- the grass right here sort of thing. These maps drawn by man. Right. Yeah. But animals have territories. We talk about it all the time. So how exactly does that concept work? So that's what we want to try and answer today. Well, I mean, animals, they actually don't have a territory. Most animals don't. They have what's called a home range. Uh, and territory is a very specific term, and it's a term that defines a place that an animal actually defends. Uh, and it could be defending against others or the same species uh, or animals of other species. The key word is defend. If an animal isn't actively maintaining control of their turf, it isn't a territory. Uh, instead, that's called a home range. Right, and a home range is a home to oftentimes multiple species. Uh, they all live and hunt and and eat and and harvest and well not really harvest so much they're not tilling the the ground but they are taking food from the trees and they bring and their apple pies exactly. to their neighbors and... <laughs> they're all cohabiting a particular area and so in a home range nobody is specifically trying to remove another species from the area oftentimes because they're probably trying to eat them and you don't want to remove your food source mm-hmm. But territories, you want people to stay away from them. So we have this definition, defendable area for a particular animal or species. So why? Why do they have these? This sounds like a lot more work than just living in a nice, peaceful, cohabitable home range. There must be some sort of advantage to having a territory. Okay, so in a home range, you have all the space for the animals spread out. Uh, But... 
in that space, there are those valuable resources like Spencer was saying. And while species try to have different food preferences to reduce competition among other species, they will inevitably overlap. Right away, that's the biggest reason for wanting to keep your territory and and why there's competition between territories is because you have easy access to food. You want to keep that food, so you're going to defend that spot. And this is definitely more the case for larger carnivores than it is for animals that can just forage and go to berries and have food that's readily available to them. Another big reason to establish a territory is that you can call that place your home. We have homes, animals want homes too, and just like us, they want to put up these walls. They want to keep their area safe. It's the same reason why we have locks on our doors. And if you control the land, you get to pick the best home. And having access to the best food and the best nesting grounds, it's great and all, but if you want to keep it, you have to be willing to fight for it. you got to be willing to put up that ADT system. (laughs) Exactly. So before we talk about that fight... And remember, Root is a game of woodland might and right. These are, these are some mighty animals that are fighting for the right to hold this territory. Let's talk about types of territories first. And so there are a number of different types of territories that depend on the species. Birds, in particular, have six different types of territories that they might live in, and that will vary based off of the species and the practices of the species. So certain birds have specific practices for mating or how they forage for food or the sorts of nesting environments that are appropriate for them. All that really good bird stuff will then determine which type of territory is appropriate for that bird. And some bird species, like gulls, their territory is basically anything immediately surrounding the nest. And I mean like centimeters to inches away from the nest. That's the only area that they really care about. But then you have things like golden eagles, and they have territory that's 35 square miles. You see these huge, huge birds just soaring around, and they are keeping everybody away. Because, I mean, if you've seen a golden eagle, they can pick up something pretty sizable and either kill it or just carry it away. Be like, you are no longer in my home. Goodbye, (laughs) sort of thing. Their territory is around a suburb. they got plenty of dogs to pick from. All those small, yappy dogs. (laughs) Thank you, golden eagles. But other than birds, there are there are other sorts of animals that have especially large territories. And the one that jumped out to me was hyenas. Hyenas have these gigantic territories. And especially the spotted hyenas that live in the Kalahari Desert region, they have a territory of 380 square miles. So that's, like, incredible. Like That's gigantic. It's mind-bogglingly huge. But you have to remember that it's the desert. So you have to kind of just spread it out and be like... If there's only a small batch of bushes that are going to grow berries and there's very few animals that are going to come out at night and try and and that I can eat them, like, I need to make sure that nobody is going to challenge me on that sort of thing. Yeah. So speaking of denying a territory to other animals, uh, what exactly prevents another animal from just strolling up and taking yours? Uh, well, you got to defend your turf. You got to have those claws. You got to have those things in check. You got to home alone that stuff. (laughs) Uh, so we'll get into doing that right after the break. Do you enjoy fantasy? Does the detailed image of a wizard on the side of a van make you think, that could be me one day? Do you think a battle mace is an appropriate gift for a baby shower? Does your boss frown on your chainmail codpiece on casual Fridays? Is your name Smitimus? If you answered yes to any of the following, or are just looking for something fun to read, 
then you should check out Battlements. Battlements is a humorous fantasy comic filled with swords and sorcery, axes and anachronism, and battle maces and bears. Follow Shane, Hector, Jean, and Rail as they get into adventuring shenanigans all while trying to pay the rent. The comic updates every Thursday and is free to read at battlementscomic.com. Go check it out and be the wizard on the side of a van you were meant to be. It sounded like you were about to fight, Mike. So I, I was ready to fight. I was ready to tie my paint cans up on the railing and smack some hyenas out of my desert. Mm, nope, that didn't work. <laughs> so it's time to defend. Yes. So how is it done exactly? How how does an animal, without having access to things like building a fence or like you mentioned earlier, that sweet sweet ADT security system? This podcast sponsored by ADT Security <laughs> Systems. Uh, well, they got to make sure they show that it's their territory, and they do things. Uh, from a, ri- a wide range of things called signposts. And these are markings that uh, let an animal that wanders towards your territory know that they are trespassing. And these are usually along the borders of the territory, so you know exactly when you're entering in, and it acts as a deterrent. And the animal, if an animal knows not to cross the border, then they won't have to deal with it more directly head on. And there's no confrontation. It's a warning. It's, it's that do not climb this fence because you probably will be shot because there's a minefield behind it, kind of. Uh, and in order to mark your territory, you can use sight, sound, and smell to make your signposts. And for, like, smell, it's kind of an obvious one. A lot of dogs do it, but a lot of animals use urine um, or other scents that come from glands from their body to create posts. It's like when a cat rubs up against you and kind of claims you and uses that little scent gland. There are certain monkeys, too, that have glands in their hands. So as they're climbing around, I can't remember. I think it might be lemurs. They have... Hand glands? They have hand glands. And so when they're climbing around, that they use that to kind of rub it into particular branches or, or, or trees to mark, like, this is where I climb sort of thing. Don't climb here. So those, those glands can kind of be... Anywhere, I guess. Uh, That's, hmm. Yeah, I guess they could be anywhere. Yeah. Uh, So others leave, uh, like, scratches or or digging different places. So they they have that visual aspect of, hey, here's some scratches on a tree. Don't come here. Bears tend to do that sometimes. Um, And, or they'll dig or they'll scratch them with their claws or their horns. And, of course, you've got the sound to let anybody know not to come closer. So wolves howling. Birds, monkeys, they got the glands, and it sounds like they, they also make a lot of noise. Those howler monkeys. Yes. And uh, all kinds of animals use these calls for a variety of purposes, including indicating where their territory is. Like a, a bird song would be a version of that. It's not always just uh, singing sweetly while you enjoy your Cheerios at breakfast. It's it's like, hey, back off, guys. But not you, because you're enjoying their sound. Yeah, bird song has that, like, half role of being a mating purpose Mm -hmm. to like attract a mate and be like listen to my sweet song but also the stay away from me sort of thing at the same time stay away it's a delicate beautiful (laughs) dance that they do there yeah and so if you hear that you know you're trespassing is the idea um but if the warning signs don't work um it's time to to put that a la a la uh little giants put that anti-acid tablet in your mouth and intimidate there you go. the other animals. And that's that's 
sometimes necessary. You know, you, you do your best to try and warn away people. We, we put up our private property or uh, attack dog signs and things like that, but sometimes people are still stupid enough to try and break in. And animals deal with this too. Sometimes they either miss the markings or they don't care about the markings or they feel like they can take care of that that thing that's trying to defend it and they go in. And when that happens, you first end up with a thing called ritualized aggression. And it's this, it's an act. It's it's totally acting in, in a bit of bravado between animals in which they express these very aggressive behaviors without actually ever engaging in violence with one another. So they look like they're going to fight. They get up, they, they stand up on their hind legs. If they don't normally stand on their hind legs, they try and make themselves look as big as possible. It's very, it's a lot of posturing going on. And the reason that they don't jump straight to fighting is because fighting is really, really dangerous in the animal kingdom. If you get hurt in the animal kingdom, there's not an animal hospital that you get to go to to clean and fix your wounds. And it's very costly in terms of energy. Animals are not guaranteed that they're going to eat every day or eat consistently to get the calories they need to consume to do something very energetic, like fighting another animal. So they have to try to do the, the fake fighting as much as they can and hope that that is enough to get one animal to back down, be it either to continue to defending or to scare off an animal that is trying to defend its territory. Mm-hmm. And that posturing, you probably have seen it on, like, if you've seen a dog growl. First of all, the growling is one thing, that they're just like, hey, leave me alone. Uh, it's not exactly defending a territory. It's more just like, don't touch me. But it's the same idea. Or like when that fur gets real poofy on the back of like the their neck. Hackles, and the I think that's what they're called. Yeah. yeah, or like if a cat, I don't know if you've ever seen like a cat in person get like, hey, I'm going to mess you up. Like that's one of the scariest things I've ever seen because they get huge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're right. It's it's that It's that posturing. And that doesn't always work. I mean, you do your best. You try and warn people away with the the signpost that you were talking about earlier and this ritualized aggression. And then sometimes fighting is necessary. That's the whole concept of a territory is that it is a defended location. So if you're not willing to defend it, it wasn't your territory in the first place. It was just a home range that you were temporarily holding on to until someone in the higher up on the food chain was willing to take it from you. Yeah, and you just you just didn't have the moxie to defend it. And usually the intruders will back down because this is your territory and you've been like you've you know it well enough and you've claimed it well enough. But sometimes you have that bigger guy coming in and you're like, no, this is mine now. Get out. Give me your lunch money. <laughs> so we thought it would be fun having kind of talked about what the concept of a territory is and this defending and posturing and signposting and all that sort of stuff. And and bring it back to the game Root and talk about these factions that are in Root and how they both attack and claim territories, but how they would defend territories in our world. So what does the cat look like and the raccoon look like and et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to go through the the four main factions of the game because there's a whole expansion with more factions and things like that. But we're going to just talk about the main factions and how they might defend their territory in the real world. Yeah, so we'll start with the Eerie Alliance. Eerie? I think so. Eerie uh, Alliance. And those are the birds. And we've talked about the birds and how they can have that huge uh, range of territories. And one thing to note is that the birds, they don't mess around. They're totally willing to go toe-in-toe with bigger animals to defend their home, which is shown by the highly aggressive 
playstyle of that bird clan in Root. Uh, fun facts about that, the eerie, or eerie, means the nest of a bird. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. So they, in Root, they just spread like crazy. That's the that's how you have to play them. You have to be that bird that just does not care and will just fight a bear if it has to, to defend its nest. When I was in, I think it must have been middle school, I was waiting around uh, at the corner for, like, some friends to come because they were, like, family friends. They were coming into town, and I was just waiting at the corner and with my bike, and I was just standing there, and these tiny little birds, they could probably only be about maybe five, six inches big were just dive bombing me. Yeah. And I, because I was just too close to their tree and mm-hmm. I wasn't like anywhere near their nest because it was pretty high up, but they just kept dive bombing me. And I was like, they don't care. They will fight you. Yeah. They'll, they'll think they can take you to defend their nest. Well, they were dinosaurs at one point in time. So something deep down in their Man, I got some crazy facts about that I want to talk about one day. We'll get to that. <laughs> maybe, maybe if we have a dinosaur game that we can talk about. So our next faction we're going to talk about are, is is the cat, the Marquis, Marquise, Marquis. I think it's Marquis de Cat. Marquis de like Cat. Marquis de Sop. Ah, is a cat, and cats as a species are going to have a really wide range of territories because you think about big jungle cats, uh, like the tiger and the the lion and the bear. Oh my! <laughs> Not the, oh wait, bears are cats, <laughs> but the cat. In the in the art, it's clearly a house cat. It's a it looks much more like a, a wild cat or a domesticated cat. So let's let's assume that we're talking about domesticated cats here. Domesticated cats have super small territories, actually, only about a tenth of a square mile. This is for cats that are outdoor cats too, because there are plenty of cats that do not go outside. <laughs> Unless you get a really big house, right? So. The, these sort of cats will defend a very small territory, uh, but they will still go out. And, you know, there are people who have cats, and the cats will come back with mice and birds and things like that because they are true, true predators, even though they look fluffy and cuddly and cute. It's the weirdest thing. I've never had a cat growing up, but I didn't realize they chirp mm. when they see a bird. Oh, I didn't know They, they go like, it's the weirdest thing. I thought something was wrong with our cat. Uh, when she was doing that, wow. when she would see a bird outside and just, it was, I don't, I don't know. They like, they want to hunt. Mm. Our cat has like brought, like if a cricket got in the house, they would kill the cricket and leave it in front of our bedroom door. <laughs> Look what I did. <laughs> Look what I did. Cause they don't have any mice to right. catch. Yeah. Uh, so that's the Marquis de Cat, which is an adorable name by the way. Mm. Uh, but then you also have the Woodland Alliance and the Woodland Alliance isn't just one creature. It's composed of all sorts of animals and critters like mostly the art in the game uses mice. And so I feel like we should talk about field mice. And field mice have a territory range of less than one acre, which is really small, but they're also very small, so it makes sense. Uh, But mice typically won't actively defend their territory unless they have to, but they're willing to move around quickly and adapt to their situation, just like the Woodland Alliance plays in the game. They're very, very much like, if we need to move, we're going to move. If we need to pull out, if we need to... uh, go and attack like that's what we need to do yeah so, it's, it's the sort of like guerrilla warfare faction of the of the game i like to think of it as like uh like the the revolutionary war like yeah. the americans is just these scrappy everyone from farmers to soldiers to everybody just mm. defending their land where you have the marquis de cat who's all like the british coming right. in yeah and lastly 
we cannot forget the vagabond. I wanted you to talk about this one. And the vagabond is a is technically a faction in the game, but the vagabond is just a raccoon. It's not like it's not a variety of animals. It's not like a whole army. It's literally one raccoon. You have one meeple, one raccoon-shaped meeple that you're moving around through the forest. And unlike all the other factions, you're actually not trying to gain control of the forest. You're just trying to befriend people <laughs> to 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 make friends with certain alliances and and break and 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 you trade trash. You're essentially a trash panda, a, a raccoon. You find junk in the forest and you trade it to factions and things like that, which absolutely makes sense when you think about the urban raccoon, which is the far more interesting raccoon to talk about than the ones that live in the wild. Urban raccoons, they have territories. They have territories that are about the size of a quarter of a square mile. So it's surprising. Like, I always kind of just imagine them as purely scavengers, but they have a zone that they will try and defend as best they can to to hunt garbage. It's from it's from Miss Gardner's house all the way to Mr. Harrison's block. The dumpster <laughs> yeah. behind the McDonald's to the dumpster behind the Pizza Hut. Those are my that's my zone right there. But the reason urban raccoons are so successful is because they are resilient and they are willing to eat anything. And so as a result, the vagabond in Root does a similar sort of thing. He carries around these trinkets, which I'm pretty sure is just trash, <laughs> that he collects. He tries to aid the other factions, and he's he's willing, the vagabond is willing to do whatever it takes to to be friends and come out on top, no matter if it means shaking one hand and then stabbing in the back the next day sort of thing. So the, they, I think they did a fantastic job looking at all of the the factions here and really kind of thematically uh, having the, the mechanics of how they attack and defend territories really emerges in this game. I like yes, it a lot. Absolutely. And and the art is really cute. If yeah. you haven't seen <laughs> and as, as, as warfaring and and uh, tactical as this mm. game we're making it sound. The art is, it's, I mean, it's cute, but it's also really well done. It's not just like Hello Kitty cute. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's a better term for it. It's, it's, you have these adorable animals, but it's done so well. And it's almost like painted. When you said paint me, let me paint you a picture at the very beginning of the episode. I was like, that couldn't be a more appropriate phrase to talk about this game. Just seriously, check out images of it online. You have to, you have to see it. It's, it's a, it's a gorgeous game. Yeah. Uh, so you got anything else? That's all I got. Uh, I have one more fun fact, uh, only because I thought it was a, it was an interesting image. But a lek, L-E-K, is a group of male birds uh, posturing and doing dances for female birds. I found that out, and I just imagined, uh, like, it's, like, a bunch of male birds in a group, like, all hanging all out. All dancing together? Just, just, like, dancing at the same time, trying to get, like, hey, no, I'm bigger than you. Oh, Who's look at my best dancer? Yeah. Oh, so man. I just thought that was a funny image. I wouldn't survive in the bird bird world. <laughs> You've got some nice plumage. <laughs> So if you guys like what we did here, uh, please hit the subscribe button. Um, you can also follow us on the social medias at GoingBTB or at WizBot Games. We also make games. Um, you can shoot us an email if you'd like at beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on our home on the web, WizBotGames.com. You can see some of the games that we've been developing and see some news about some of the stuff that's coming up for us. Yeah, like events. Yes. That's a thing we do. Especially if you're in the Chicagoland area. Yes. So join us two weeks from now, and hopefully one of us will still be standing as we fight to the death to defend who's going to be the true host of this podcast.
This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening.